You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3 today. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll just explain the gist of that as we go along here as well. We have a bit of a single message today, kind of. Um, way back in September, we started our ministry year with a series um, on the church. In fact, this series was called that. It was called The Church. I hope you are around for that. We have new people coming all the time, though. Um, this series called The Church was an essential foundational series about what God says about God's church. And that was really important for us, and it continues, obviously, to be because in, in our day right now, and especially, honestly, the last two years and stuff, there's a lot of opinions on what the church should be. There's a lot of people speaking on what they think the church should look like and blah, blah, blah. But we need to understand we're not concerned and interested in people's opinions about the church. We're not interested in the ideas of humanity about this. We're very, very concerned and interested on the voice of God, which is found in the Word of God, of course. The Bible... And what his voice says about the church uh, today and for always. And so this is why we did this series. And that series had eight parts back in September, October. And so today, by direction of our elders, we're going to call this part nine. Part nine. And um, a little delayed, I guess, in part nine, obviously. But we're excited about the timing, though. We are. We believe this is right today. This content, actually, we're going to talk about today, was loaded up a couple of years ago. But with the pandemic, and understandably shifted the focus. But today the timing is right, not just to unload the content, but then the practical ability to respond to the message we weren't able to do with them in the pandemic. But now we are. And so our topic today also, just to be clear, it's not new to our church at all, but it does need to be refreshed. It's kind of like when you have you know, a screen up in your computer and it sits there for a while, and then it can quickly kind of become outdated. You hit the refresh button to get the most relevant version of that. And uh, so it's so pertinent to where you are. That's what we're doing. We're going to hit the refresh button for us as a church. The word doesn't change where we are has a bit. And so we're excited to see what God says for us today. So our topic and title for today is this, is what's up with deacons? We're talking about deacons today. Some of you are like, who? We say, exactly. That's why we're preaching this message. Others have just said, yes, deacons. I love deacons. That's so great. And we would say, good. So do we. And we all want to get on the same page in terms of our ecclesiology, what it means to understand what God says about his church in Scripture. So here's where we're going today in terms of deacons. Now, I just, up front, there's a lot of content we're going to get through. This is more of a teach than a preach, but it's very important. And again, for today, we're trusting the Lord has brought us to this point. So today, we're going to answer the following five questions. Uh, what are deacons? Why have deacons? Who are deacons? Where are deacons? And when will we see more deacons, Lord willing? Okay, so we're going to start where we always start. You guys super fired up about deacons or what? I hope so. I hope so. But it's going to be good. It's in God's word. It's here. And it's very, very important for our church. So First uh, Timothy 3, again, this is what the word of God says. And so this is why we're talking about it. First Timothy 3, verse 8. Deacons likewise, that's very important right there. Deacons likewise must be dignified. Not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons 
if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, or women likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So this is going to be our anchor text for today. We will reference some other passages as well. Let's get started. Lots to get through. Someone may or may not have been snoring loudly in the first service, but we'll give grace for that. And let's hope we can all pay attention and understand what God's word says for us right now. Pressure's on. Let's go. Our question number one is this. Question number one. What are deacons? What are deacons? The simplest and most accurate biblical answer to this question, a deacon is ultimately a servant. A deacon is really speaking of servanthood, a love of service. Interestingly, only twice in the New Testament, the word deacon was used to refer to an office. It's our passage here today as we're going to unpack in great detail, but also in Philippians 1 verse 1 on screen for you, the specific mention of the office of deacons. Notice Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Notice with the overseers, elders, office of elders, overseers. Again, those words interchangeable. And then notice deacons, the office of deacons that is mentioned. Notice in our text, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, deacon is used four times in our text. All four times referring to the office of deacons. Notice two in our text. Notice in verse 8 the first two words. The first two words it says, deacons likewise. Okay, deacons likewise. This is a direct parallel to the office that is mentioned regarding elders in verse 1. If you look there at verse 1, again it says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, they desire a noble task. Verse 8 now transition, deacons likewise. Just like the office of elder, now the office of deacons mentioned in verse 8, that's very, very significant, right? So there may not be a ton of biblical text or real estate given to the office of deacons, but it is here and it is clear in God's word. What is also very important to know, though, is the word deacon in the rest of the New Testament is used about a hundred other times to describe, again, either service or serving. The word is used in many different variations, from serving tables to serving food, as really many, many types of service. The, the word is used at times as spiritual service, the spiritual serving of other believers, practically helping, loving, again, coming alongside, taking care of, feeding, again, practically loving. The verb, again, for the word deacon is strongly used for practical acts of service, uh, the service or love of different, again, members or believers of the body of Christ in the basic necessities of life. So without question, we come to, again, Scripture. The heart of a deacon, essentially, is the heart to serve. There's a love to serve, which, of course, must be seen in the deacons of the church. But let's be clear, is the call for every believer in Christ. Every single one of us 
is called to have the heart to serve, to serve one another, again, to serve in the church of Jesus Christ. So we got to know that as we go through this message today. This is a great template for all of our lives to pursue and desire and to pray through as well. However, as we will see, there is a specific office of servants called deacons who will lead others in the service, again, of Jesus Christ within the church. What are deacons? They have a huge heart to serve, again, aligned with Scripture. Of course, Jesus Christ himself said he came not to be served, but to serve. That's the word again, deacon, diacono there, and we are all called to do the same. Question number two now, why deacons? Why deacons? Again, to be very clear, one of the greatest reasons for deacons in the New Testament is to assist the elders with the implementation of the vision for the church, but to serve and assist the elders in practical ways that they might be freed up to be released to their primary calling, again, given by Scripture and given by God. So the elders, office of elders, pastors, and then deacons are such a powerful complement under the design of God. Let's get that in front of us right now with great clarity, okay? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. All God's people said... Amen. That is awesome. Jesus Christ is the head. He is designed for two offices in the church. The first office here, elders or pastors, elders, pastors, overseers, bishops, all words interchangeably used, again, synonymous with one another. They are primarily responsible. And by the way, all our pastors are biblically qualified as elders. We do not call someone here a pastor unless they are biblically qualified as an elder. They are referred to at times as staff elders, again, under the office there of elder and pastors. Three main areas we have used in the history of our church, which elders and pastors are responsible for, doctrine, direction, and discipline. Then you have the office of deacons, okay, which we're unpacking today. These phrases here aren't perfect, but they're helpful. Elders, pastors primarily serve by leading, not perfect, but helpful. Deacons, again, this phrase, not perfect, helpful, primarily lead by serving. And three main areas we have said since the beginning of our church, again, generally speaking, administration, finances, and benevolence. This is God's design for the church, two main offices in the church. This is why deacons are so important. For a great example of this, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, okay? So put some peer pressure on the person beside you and have them erase and get to Acts chapter 6, and let's all go there together because I want to be able to, for us to see and read a great example as to the heart of what God has designed for his church in terms of office of elder, pastor, and then office of deacons as well. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Very familiar text, and I hope you'll be encouraged by this. Great to hear the pages of the Bible turning among God's people, okay? Acts chapter 6, verse 1. You guys all there? You guys all there? Let's go again. Put some pressure on the person beside you. Snap them out of their laziness, okay? Acts 6, verse 1 says this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews. Ha, look at that. Even in the early church, they weren't perfect either. They also had complaints. Praise the Lord makes us feel better about our church, right? So they had complaints. Notice, because their widows, Acts 6-1, were being neglected in the daily distribution. 
And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, listen to this, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Wow, fascinating. Therefore, brothers, sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Notice the outcome, ready? Here's the outcome of God's design for the church. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So that's massively significant here. Again, there is debate whether Acts 6 is describing the first ever deacons, okay? Some say yes, persuasively. Some say no, again, also with argumentation based on Scripture. We're not trying to answer that question definitively today. What we do want to recognize, though, the text serves as an excellent example and value as to the heart of what deacons bring to the table in the calling of the office of elder and pastors, again, when compared to the complement with the office of deacons. What's happening here in Acts 6? The apostles realize their calling and their time for Christ in Christ is primarily to be spent on prayer and again in the ministry of the word. This is what Christ has commissioned them to do. This is what, so they even go to the point and say, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. They are clear on their calling. And so there's this, this moment of unity in the early church to raise up others who will release the apostles to pursue their primary calling before Christ. Both are excellent. Both are essential in the church. Both are needed. Practical care and obviously the preaching of the word. Let me just say this as we stop here too. Again, a church that fails to preach the word is not a true church. Okay? You can't be a church of Jesus Christ and not have the primacy of preaching. You also can't be a true church if you're not praying in dependence to the Lord again as the people of God. I mean, you want to have two essentials of what it means to be the church is the preaching of the word of God and the ministry of prayer flowing through again the leaders and the people as well. So let's just take the situation in Acts 6 and apply it to our church here. Okay, so let's just say the elders in this church and the pastors, they could serve in our hospitality ministry all week long. That could be totally done. Um, I could do visitation every hour of each day if I wanted to. We could be overwhelmed with management and administration. But the problem is, and those things are all good, the problem is that we show up here on the weekend, we'd be unprepared, there'd be nothing given to share, and then you'd all get very grumpy very quickly. If you have a value on the preaching of God's word, understanding it's the power of God for salvation, again, the gospel within, if you understand this is what God has, then you know first things first, the Bible must be opened and prayers must be given in dependence to the Lord, right? It's an understanding of giftedness and role and calling, right? Critical to have an effective and fruitful church. It's not that we don't do other things. 
That's not what's being said here. Of course not. Acts 6 is not saying that. But you must be clear in what you're called to do in the role that you've been given, right? So one of the temptations as the church has grown over the years, one of the temptations for all of us, one of the temptations for the leaders of the church, for me, is to get distracted from primary calling. And in this note, I, I greatly appreciate your grace. The elders and pastors greatly appreciate your grace in understanding the primary calling for the glory of Christ and for the health and the sake of the church and God's people. To get distracted from our primary calling is to get distracted from the will of God. Our elders, our pastors, our staff, our lay leaders are absolutely amazing in our church and each have a critical role to play throughout the body of Christ. Because God's design is what? One body, many parts, right? As all of us step up and serve and have our gifts in action with hearts in line, again, following Christ, then man, the fruit is exponential. All of us are called as one body, but many parts coming together under God's design. This biblical, again, understanding releases primary leaders to their fruitful calling and releases all in the church, again, to how they can best be used as well. Now, what we just explained, though, one body, many parts, God's design, office of elder deacons, Satan is so terrified of this happening as God has intended. Why? Because that's when the church is so fruitful. So Satan will do whatever he can to diminish, destroy, or distract away from the clarity of the calling placed upon especially the leaders of the church. Listen to what John Stott said as he commented on Acts chapter 6 on the screen. This is very helpful and very insightful. He said this, the devil's, again, on Acts 6, the devil's next attack was the cleverest of the three. What were the three? His first attack, having failed to overcome the church by either persecution, that's chapter 4, Acts 4, okay, he tried to do that, and then, or corruption, that's Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to God and they lied about what they had in their money. And now he tries distraction. Because if he could preoccupy with the apostles with social administration, which though essential was not their calling, they would neglect their God-given responsibilities to pray and to preach and so leave the church without any defense against false doctrine. And I might add to that any, the source of any hope for life change as well. You see, so when you, when, you, when you close the Bible, you just close the power of God for salvation, okay? When you, when, you, when you close the Bible, you close the book the Holy Spirit has written. When you close the Bible, you've just eliminated any chance of people being changed. This is what God has written. This is what God uses. The Bible is literally the word of God. It is God's book. And so this is, again, the primary calling of the elders and pastors of the church is to teach and preach and shepherd the people of God according to the will of God. Now, the office of deacons then in this light becomes profound. Here's why. Let's kind of think about what we've learned so far. The office of deacons is profound because deacons promote unity in the church. Look at, look at Acts 6. There's a temptation towards disunity. Hey, some widows, they're being neglected. We're not caring for certain people. If it's all in the elders, the complaint comes in. Division starts to creep in. The deacons or deacon types in Acts 6 are raised 
up and they bring unity to the church because they release the apostles to their calling and they're able to care for the important needs of those, again, within the church practically. So deacons promote unity in the church. They care practically and powerfully for the church. Deacons raised up to come alongside and love and minister and serve the people so practically and powerfully in the church. And then this, as we learn, deacons, the office of deacons release the elders and pastors to pursue their primary calling in the church. That's a major, major, massive deal. I know so many pastors who are not able to pursue their primary calling in the feeding of the church of the word of God because of all the demands that start. It's always the tyranny of the urgent and all the good things. And all these, all these pastors are such nice guys so often and they can't say no. And they don't have leaders around them to put the priority biblically in place. And so they're so preoccupied with the needs of the day that the people ultimately are not being fed. And then everyone suffers as a result. You see, so this is what's so key together. It takes courage, though. I want to say this, too. Um, since, since, since the day this church started, I, me, the pastor, have been surrounded by leaders who have been absolutely convinced of this biblical exhortation and the freedom and the ability for the primacy of the word of God and the shepherding of God's flock along with it. I can't tell you what a blessing it has been for me and our pastors. It's just been, it's, it's just absolutely game-changing because I know what happens if that's not there. And it means sometimes you let people down in other ways. That's what the church is raised up to do. You have to be clear. And if you're not clear, then you're gonna be dead pretty soon. It's just not going to work out. The primary, primary calling of the church is such a big deal. This is why deacons and servants are so needed. I just wanna say this too, just as we're talking about deacons at this stage of our church, um, we just celebrated 18 years as a church last month, and here we are so thankful for God's grace and faithfulness. The history of deacons in our church has been varied. Uh, early on, we appointed deacons to our church, and uh, we had them identified. One of the great challenges for us was our explosive growth from like the first month, basically, and on, and the amount of people that were coming. And what it did, it really became a reality that many of our wonderful, uh, amazing staff hires were and are incredible deacons. That's just one of the reality. When you have to take care of finances and you have to take care of benevolence and stuff and that some of these you had to staff and we have incredible staff members that are also incredible deacons that exist today. We also had so many people serving in our church with deacon type roles and responsibility. Immensely thankful for such servants over the years. But it's at this time, this time in our church, it's time to increase the clarity the urgency and the opportunity, again, within the office of deacons. And we're very excited about that, and we're very excited to do this in a more clear, again, urgent and opportunistic way with the public identification, again, of deacons going forward. So what are deacons? Why deacons? Third question is this, who? Who are deacons? This is very interesting to me. We're going to flip back to 1 Timothy 3 now, okay? So um, in 1 Timothy 3 and elsewhere, the Bible doesn't really tell us a lot of what deacons are to do. There's a little bit we've seen here, but there's just not a lot. What the Bible tells us more about is who deacons are to be. It's so interesting, isn't it? Once again, the word of God is reinforcing character over competency. Competency is important. Giftedness is important. But what's more important is character. 
giftedness without character is wasted. How many stories and examples have we seen over the years of people with great giftedness and no character and they explode and they fail and they fall apart or they just run amok, right? The Bible emphasizes, again, character is absolutely critical when it comes to, again, the understanding of who deacons are to be. So look again at 1 Timothy 3. Let's read a couple of these qualifications here. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Again, notice the emphasis on character here. So what this means is this. Okay, when it comes to deacons, the opposite of deacons, a deacon is not just someone who's super handy. I mean, that can be great. It doesn't qualify you to be a deacon. A deacon is not just someone who's super gifted at solving practical problems. A deacon is not someone who's brilliant with financial records or the books, right? That can be very helpful. That doesn't qualify you as a deacon by itself. A deacon is not just someone who even has the spiritual gift of helps or mercy or compassion because without character, that's emphasized right here before us, they are not qualified to serve in such a way. Let's briefly observe and break down these qualifications that we just read. These will be on the screen for you just for clarity's sake. A deacon is to be dignified, dignified. The NIV translates this, a deacon is to be worthy of respect. A deacon will live a life in such a way they are an example for others to follow and they will gain the respect of those that are around them. They will be dignified. Next, a deacon is not to be double-tongued. So interesting. So we have like three consecutive areas of self-control coming up here. Self-control is so important in Scripture and a massive indication of character. I mean, put it bluntly or just... Uh, succinctly here, a deacon will not be a gossip. Uh, A deacon will not speak ill of others. A deacon will not gossip about their leaders. A deacon will not speak negatively, again, sinfully, against the people that are leading them. They will exercise control over their tongue. That is a massive part of godliness, is the words you use and who you share it with and what you say. It's amazing how much the Bible talks about the way we speak. The qualified deacon will not be addicted to much wine. Self-control, again, a huge part of character. So this is saying a qualified deacon will not have any substance that controls them. They will not have alcohol or wine as something that controls them more than the Spirit of God in them. They will be a master over, again, the parts of the flesh that seek to control so many others. No other substance will have mastery over them. They will master their flesh in this regard. They must not be addicted to much wine. It's so important. Their, their, their flesh is subdued as the Holy Spirit uh, runs their life, as they're in the pursuit of Christ. Not in perfection, but in the right direction. This is how a deacon must be qualified. We see next, they will not be greedy for dishonest gain. And notice these, these, these three here in the negative, not, not, not. But again, self-control is so important. Why? Well, in this case, the love of money corrupts the heart. 
Uh, for those who love money too much, the love of money leads people to lie. Uh, some of you are here right now and money just has total control of your life. Uh, you care about more about money than you do about Jesus Christ. It's proven by how you think, what you do, and all the things that you care about most, what you get angry about. The love of money leads us to lie, to cheat, and to obsess. We obsess about such things, and it shows that our heart is captured by the treasure of the world and not captured by the treasure of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus Christ said himself, again, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. This is why Jesus spoke more about money than heaven and hell combined. Okay, The love of money, or how we handle God's money, how we handle God's money, God's money in our lives is one of the greatest ways we know where our hearts are at. One of the greatest indications of where our hearts are at is how we steward the resources that God has entrusted to us, right? Again, some of you here right now, because this is the world we live in, that's your thing, that's your issue. Like right now, the Holy Spirit is, we're a little sidetracked from deacon message, but right now, this is your discipleship issue. You just love money too much. It's something that you think about too much and you just, you just, it drives you too much. And that's going to be the greatest obstacle and barrier of you to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and it disqualifies you from being a leader in the church. Right here in scripture, that you can't be qualified when this is something that has taken too much, again, where you are. How much more than for deacons? The next qualification he will hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. When Paul speaks of the mystery of the faith, it's essentially the gospel. The mystery that was concealed in ages past has now been revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. The mystery of the faith is the gospel. So essentially, deacons are to be gripped by the gospel. They love doctrine. They love the truth. They love the gospel. They know the gospel. Now, one clear difference of qualifications between the office of elder and deacons in 1 Timothy 3 is that elders must be able to teach the word of God. That's verse 2. See that? 1 Timothy 3 verse 2. They must be able to teach. Deacons are not required in the qualifications to teach the word of God or preach the word of God. So that's the one main difference between the qualifications of elders and deacons. So they're not required to teach or preach the word of God. Listen, but deacons are required to know and to love the word of God and the gospel. They must be discipled in this and they must be so passionate about it. Next we see they must be tested and proven. That's verse 10. It's in 1 Timothy 5, verse 22, where Paul says, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Okay, so all church leaders, and here with deacons in front of us, they must be tested and tried and therefore proven. So here at Hope Bible Church, we do not lay on hands on leaders quickly. We have a multi-layered process, which takes a lot of time. It can be frustrating for some. We have extensive questionnaires that are filled out, examining every portion of the life. We have extensive time and months that are sitting with our leaders to observe and examine, to be proven in different ways that this happens. Because again, the wrong leader in the wrong place is going to be a disaster for the church. And so we are cautious. Again, it takes time, but we think this is wisdom, and this is right here in Scripture 
that every leader is going to take this position must be tested and proven. Some people come into our church and they get very, very fired up. Some people come into our church and maybe don't get so fired up and don't stay very long. But others do come in and they do get very fired up and they're like, wow, wow, this is amazing. I want in, I want in, I want in. And we're like, that's so great, but take your time. Like, take your time. Make sure you get to know us. Make sure you know what you're walking into. Go through the steps process. Step one, two, three. Make sure you take classes. Make sure you know again what Hope Bible Church is all about. And then serve. Let us get to know you over time again. The time of testing and proven. Again, we take this very seriously. It's protection for you. It's protection for us as a church. Deacons must be tested and proven. Next we see this in verse 12. They must be family focused. They must be family focused. So in verse 12 it says, let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household well. So you could be this like great leader in the church, but if you just neglected your family, man, you're disqualified, okay? You have to understand the importance of marriage. You have to understand the importance of your children. You can't save your children. You are to lead your children and have them to be respectful and be in good standing in that sense. And lastly, a deacon, this isn't a qualification, but it is an indication of reward. They are to be reward-driven. Verse 13, it says, for those who serve well, as deacons, they gain good standing. So this is exciting. This is not inappropriate ambition. This is, again, as deacons who want to serve well, they will be respected. And they will also increase in boldness. They will have great confidence in the faith as it's in Christ Jesus, as verse 13 says. So there's a beautiful thing that comes along with a leader that is qualified and authenticated by God in the church and, of course, then among others. Again, I want you to see here, man, everything that's here, except for the final one there, but every single thing there is showing character, character over giftedness. Again, I just, I just so many places in Scripture identify the value that God puts on character and the heart, right? This is why some of you have never excel to levels of leadership maybe you've always wanted to because the thing that God wants the most is your heart because when he has your heart, he has everything. And we complain. Young people, this is one of the biggest mistakes. They have a sense of giftedness and there's ambition and they, they want to they fast forward what takes years into like days. That's not the way it works. God is not in a rush. He's more concerned about your heart then he is about your excitement, about your giftedness. Again, just the emphasis on character, it's unmistakable in Scripture. It's so important. All of us need to see that, to take it so seriously, and to desire. Again, this list we're looking at, by the way, like for all of us, every single one of us should look at this list. What a great goal. What a great ambition. Every single one of us, man, whether we're ever gonna be a leader in the church or not officially, but look at that and say, of course, of course. In some ways, it's so basic. This is who we are to be and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's about who the deacons are more than what they are to do. Speaking of who, I want to make sure I'm super clear on this. Deacons are both men and women. The office of deacons is both men and women. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, one I skipped over, I wanted to show it now. It says, their wives, or again, women, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. So we believe here as elders, pastors at our church, that this is speaking to women serving as deaconesses. 
Here's why we believe this. Six exegetical reasons, again, from verse 11 and elsewhere. Unlike the office of elder, I'm going to ask you to listen carefully here. This is important. We will also have some of this online as well. I'll explain at the end. Unlike the office of elder, Scripture nowhere prohibits women deacons. Elders are uniquely charged with the teaching and shepherding of the flock, 1 Timothy 2 and elsewhere, but deacons serve outside these areas and they will not be held to account by God himself for such things. Again, Scripture nowhere prohibits women deacons. We need to make sure we understand that. Secondly, my Bible has a footnote in verse 11. Does yours? It should, or depending on your translation, verse 11, my footnote says, or wives likewise must, or women likewise must. So again, in the original, in the Greek, the word can be wives or women. Again, depending on how you look at that, it can be either or, right? So both could be legit here. But in the original, there's no pronoun for their. There's no their wives in the original. And Paul could have easily added that, of course, if he wanted to, but he didn't. It's just either wives or just women. Women likewise. So a lot of people believe, this is a persuasive argument, he had deaconesses in view here. Women likewise. Thirdly, verse 11, it says, women likewise. Now remember in the beginning we talked about that word likewise? Likewise is very important. In verse 8, look at verse 8, deacons Likewise. Likewise is stemming from verse 1, the office of elder. So the office of elder mentioned in verse 1, verse 8, deacons likewise, referring to the office of deacons. Now in verse 11, following the structure of the text, now we have women likewise. Going back to verse 8, going back to verse 1. It seems to be clearly suggesting a third group of people. We are arguing that this is saying, again, persuasively, I believe, referring to women serving in the office of deacons. Fourthly, did you notice there are no qualifications listed for the wives of elders? How could that be? There's no qualifications listed for the elder wives in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7. But now we have qualifications listed for the wives of deacons. Really? Does that make any sense? Because the wife of an elder, biblically speaking, is more important in terms of her character and qualifications for the impact on the church, even more so than it would be for the office of deacons and their wives. So this is very, very strange. If the Bible were this qualifications for the wives of deacons, but not the wives of elders, again, another very important persuasive exegetical argument that this is referring to deaconesses serving in the church as well. Fifthly, the character qualifications for women here are consistent with both the qualifications for elders and deacons. Right? There's, there's many similarities of the qualifications listed for each. This surely points to Paul referring to the office of women deacons or deaconesses. Sixthly, and there's more we could say about, but Phoebe in Romans 16, Phoebe was referred to as a servant, the Greek word diakonos. Again, the word for deacon, and many, many believe this is a direct reference for her having the role of a deaconess again within the early church. There's other examples in scripture as well, all right? So, there's a lot there. Some of that will be, again, on our, on our website for you immediately following um, this service and message. All that to say, we have wonderful 
gifted, godly women serving powerfully throughout our church now and has always been that way. They have made a huge impact on our staff team and are currently making a major impact on our staff team right now all throughout our church in so many different ways and so many different roles. Our church is so blessed by such women and we are excited to see increasing their visibility and leadership, including within the office of deacon um, as well. That is under the question, who are deacons? Let's go to our last two questions. This will be a little more practical as we wrap up here. Question four, where are deacons? Where are deacons? Meaning, where will they be serving? Where do they serve? So we listed today, we had three main areas where deacons are responsible for. Administration, finances, and benevolence. Further to this, um, our deacon leads and along with our elders have come up with four main priorities for our deacons as we go into the future on the screen for you here. Again, some of these are self-explanatory. Some of these maybe not so much. We're very excited. So here's where we're headed towards with the office of deacon, financial benevolence. Very, very important within the church of God, caring for the needs of the people who call Hope Church their home. Health crisis and hospitalization. Again, an emphasis of our deacons leading teams of servants who will be empowered with a robust, again, again, new way to love and care for the very practical needs within our church. Household helps. We think of single moms and the elderly. We think of those who are physically limited, unable to do home repairs, basic needs on a day-to-day basis, having teams that will go out and serve and assist and love and care. And this way, this has always been done, but to see this increase and be organized uh, as best as ever. And then the fourth category is widow and widowers. We can think of the importance of that and the stage of life and the situation and the immense care that is needed and the deacons to come alongside and love them practically and care for them intimately in that way that is very, again, important and very needed within our day and the people within our church. These are the four priority areas that our deacons, when they are commissioned, identified, will leave teams of servants throughout our church. So we hope to have hundreds of servants kind of commissioned and empowered to serve under the leadership of our deacons. That is, where will deacons be serving? And then lastly, when will we see more deacons? And so we'll end with this. When will we see more deacons? So next steps for deacons is this. You can visit our website right now, and we have more info, some of what you heard today, and then other information on the future of deacons at Hope Bible Church. Secondly, members, members of our church, you will receive a member e-news, I believe, tomorrow regarding the details of this message and the outworking of where this is going. And then also nominations from members. You'll have the opportunity, members will have the opportunity to nominate other members for potential, again, role in the office of deacon. It's going to take place this month. Okay, so that's going to be an exciting thing and more to come on that as well. Fourthly, we ask that we all pray again for us as we seek to see deacons raised up. And then the goal is to release them in the fall and to have that officially again launched in that way, in a new way with great effectiveness and impact. And then our deacon leads again right now um, is going to be our director of finance, Michael Joshua, and Alvin Lowe again, such a credible leader in our church for so many years. They're going to be taking the lead in terms of the process. And so as you have questions and you have things you want to know more information about, again, you can direct those questions to them. And they are passionate, passionate about this and very excited to see where this will go as well. 
Whew, okay, okay, it's a lot, it's a lot of talking. I can feel myself getting weaker by the moment, but this is really, really important, and this is um, an excellent, again, examination of where we are and where we hope to be. I'm so thankful for your attention in this. We're gonna end our service, I'm gonna pray in just a moment. We're gonna end our service here, and so if you have questions, clarifications, again, you can contact us, email us, and then pray with us as we go forward, much more information coming again in the days to come. Lastly, before I pray, uh, next week, I just want to let you know we will begin a new sermon series in the book of 1 Samuel. You can put that slide up now. And it's going to be called Conviction Admits Compromise, Lessons from the Life of Samuel, going through the Old Testament narrative. Very excited for this timing in our church. He was raised up again in a time of crisis spiritually within the nation of Israel. We find ourselves in so many interesting parallels in our day as well. I think God's gonna use that very powerfully. That starts, Lord willing, again, a week from today. Just before we just let me pray for us uh, right now. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness and faithfulness. Thank you for your clarity. And we pray, Lord, for urgency in regards to deacons, and we pray for opportunity, Lord. Um, we trust you. We need you. Lead us. Lead on, O King Eternal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.